The scripture that's going to be part of the message this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter. It begins with the 13th verse. If you don't have the script, I encourage you to find your Bible and to open it up to that passage. I'm going to be preaching and walking us through that passage this morning. So I just encourage you to follow along if you can. Some walks are longer than others. Well, at least that's the insight that one biblical commentator had about this particular passage because it's about a long walk one way and then probably a shorter walk the other way. Now, on the same day, now, what does that mean? On the same day, meaning the day that the women had come back from the tomb and told the disciples that Jesus was not in the tomb, in the Gospel of Luke, no one had seen Jesus yet in this particular part of Luke's rendition of the resurrection story. And so on that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Can you imagine the conversation that they're having about what has just happened to them They are two of Jesus' disciples and they've been following him, even if they haven't been following him for the whole three years of his public ministry, but they've been following him along and seeing some of the miracles and hearing the teaching. And they began to pin their hopes on him. And you're going to hear about those hopes and dreams a little bit later about how they, they had hoped so much for who he was and who he would become. And they don't yet know that their hopes have been misplaced, at least in terms of their original hopes, but their hope in Jesus is not misplaced. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? Jesus asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he had been the one to redeem Israel. And that is the core of what they had pinned their hopes on. That Jesus, this one who, and it's so interesting to me that as we've walked through these scriptures, that the first thing everybody says about Jesus is that he was a prophet, mighty in word and deed. I mean, even other religions, other, the other major religions, most of them will give Jesus that that he was a great teacher, that he was a prophet of some kind. And so they will say maybe even he's one of our prophets, but he's not the Messiah. And so they say he's a great prophet and they'd pinned so much of their hopes on him that he would be hopefully a political leader and a religious leader, that that he would bring the kingdom of God on earth and perhaps be the new King David that he would bring back the nation of Israel. I'm sure that that is so much of what they were hoping for. Isn't it like us human beings 
to pin our hopes on things in this material world. Think about it. How many times have you, over time, pinned your hopes and dreams perhaps on a new leader, a new president, a new governor, perhaps a new senator or congressperson? How often have we pinned our hopes on perhaps a new job or a new relationship or a new car or, or a new school for our children or a new treatment plan? How, how much of the time have we pinned our hopes on things that ultimately maybe they did fulfill whatever it was that we had hoped for, but ultimately are perishable? That ultimately go away, that ultimately are impermanent. In the first Peter reading, before this passage, it talks about that what the people that Peter is writing to have done is they have actually pinned their hopes on what is imperishable, meaning the word of God, that they have pinned their hopes on Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. They have come to know, and not to, not to denigrate material things. That is not what our faith is about. It's not a dualism between the spirit and the material. But it does take into account the things that we hold out in hope and that we pin our hopes on and that we should be very, very clear not to pin our hopes on the things that are material because ultimately they fall apart. Ultimately, they go away. And so here are these disciples and can you again imagine the conversation they're having there? It says they're looking sad because what they had dreamed of, what they had hoped for, where they thought they were going with Jesus is now seemingly gone forever. How many people today are feeling that way? How many people today in our world are wondering if everything they had pinned their hopes and dreams on have gone away forever. What should we do? I mean, what shall we do when so much of what we thought was important is taken away or just goes away? Where are we to pin our hopes? Where are we to, how are we to live our lives? What is the path that we are called to walk on? And so they go on to tell this stranger that they're walking with the rest of the story. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find the body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Here's one thing I've been saying to God all week. Would you please deliver the speech that Jesus gave to these disciples to us? Because I'd love to know what 
is it that he taught them from Moses all the way through the prophets that pointed to him? Because commentators throughout time have gone back in the Old Testament and said, oh, here's what he, here's probably what he said. Here's probably what he said. Here's probably what he said. I read some of these commentaries and I was sort of like, boy, I, I, I don't know. Some of this seems like a real stretch to me. We're trying to shoehorn Jesus back into the Old Testament in some places. In some other places, if you read it with the ears of someone and the eyes of someone who is post-resurrection, on this side of the resurrection, you can begin to put the story together. It's just like a puzzle. After it's done, you realize how all the pieces fit together. But even so today, even with the resurrection, even with the Old Testament and the New Testament and all the teachings therein, we are called to walk the path. You may not know this, but before they were called Christians, the people who followed Jesus were called followers of the way because that's what Jesus gave us. He gave his disciples and his followers a way of living, a path to follow. Not that it was perfectly lined out, not that we know absolutely every step, but he gave us a path to follow and Jesus walked it ahead of us. Jesus went down that road and wherever we are going, Jesus is leading us down that path and we are called to just continue to walk the path throughout our lives with all of our questions, with all of our incomplete puzzle pieces, with all of our doubts, with all of our concerns, with all of our fears, with all of our anxiety, but we are called to trust in the imperishable word of God and the living word of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit bringing us into all truth to walk the path that is laid out before us, to trust that path that is there for us, to not pin our hopes on the material things of this world or the leaders of this world, but to pin our hopes always and ultimately on God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As they came near to the village, to which they were going, he walked ahead, Jesus did, as if he were going on. But the disciples urged him strongly, saying, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. What does that remind you of? The Last Supper what we now call the Lord's Supper, right? The Holy Communion, the Eucharist. And we believe that it is a real reference to that because here's what it says. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? What I want to say is while he was putting the puzzle pieces in places, were not our hearts beginning to figure out as we were walking this path away from our hopes and dreams, away from all those things that we'd pinned our hopes on, weren't our hearts burning within us as he opened up the scriptures and opened up the path to us, that same hour they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. Now remember, this is a seven mile walk. So I don't know how fast you walk, but it's going to take a little while. And it was already toward evening. They'd already walked one way leaving behind their hopes and news. Now they're turning back the other way, filled with new hopes and new dreams. And so they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. 
And they were saying, the ones that they found were saying, the Lord has indeed risen and he appeared to Simon. So somewhere in there, Jesus has appeared to Simon Peter. And then these disciples told them what had happened on the road, on the way, on the journey, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. They hadn't realized he was there until they sat at table with him. This story is so amazing because it it just fits in with the biblical drama from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. There are these amazing stories of just when it looks like hope is all gone, just when it looks like death has won, just when it looks like everything is over, there is new life. There's an opening. God does something new and different, at least from our viewpoint, and brings us into a new place on the journey and leads us forward. And so how are we to live today? What are we to pin our hopes on? Well, I think there are some messages here in this First Peter passage and in this, and in this other passage that I want to share with you today. To walk the path is to trust what is permanent, what is unperishable, to trust in the living word of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to seek out that path, to continue walking forward, to study the scriptures, to be found in community, to love ourselves, to love our neighbor, and to love God, to live in reverent fear. It's an interesting passage from 1 Peter, to live in reverent fear. And it's not fear, you have to remember in the Bible, it's not fear like being afraid of God, but it really is to live in awe of God. And some of that may just be to look outside your window today. Live in awe of the riot of colors that is all around wherever you're living now and realize that it is God who has brought all of that into being. Live in reverent awe. You know, it's so funny. We take for granted so many of the things that are just, that are just absolutes, at least in our experience, like gravity. I mean, what keeps me right here in front of this camera and not floating around? What's well, gravity? And I just expect that that's going to happen. Every, every day when I get out of bed, I expect when I swing my feet over and hit the floor that I'm not just going to bounce up and hit my head on the ceiling. I mean, that's pretty awesome to think about that. That we don't wake up one day and all of a sudden there's no, there's no gravitational pull. Everybody's just floating around in the sky. I mean, there are just things. That, the, fact, the fact that you are part of an unbroken line from the beginning of your ancestors until now. That trillions of genetic and relational and, and all kinds of things had had to happen for you to be here in this place, in this time, in this moment. It's a miracle. It's statistically so improbable, most people would say that it couldn't happen if you were trying to make it yourself. Live in reverent fear, live in awe of God and then in First Peter it says, and love. Love. You've been loved on. Go love another. Trust in what is imperishable, which is the love of God. It says in the scripture that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing. Not death. Not bankruptcy. Not joblessness. 
not fear, not anxiety. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Know that Jesus is meeting you on the road and right now is probably whispering in your ear about where he is in your life, but you may not be able to see him or hear him until he is at table with you metaphorically and you're able to break bread with Christ. And so I just encourage you to be people of the way, walk the path, come to the table, receive grace and become people of grace for a broken world. And never forget that when we are walking the path, when we are going his way, when we are on the journey, Jesus walks with us. Amen.